0: Welcome to The Light of the World with Jerry G. Martin. As we celebrate Mothers and Mother's Day, I am bringing you a series of messages that would encourage our mothers and build our mothers up. And also, for those of us who have mothers still with us, it is an opportunity for us to honor them and show them the love that they so deserve. We're going to share with you about mother the woman of virtue, and how to honor your mother, and then I will share 10 things my mother taught me. If you are a mother, there's a special prayer for you at the end of each message. Come and go with me as we celebrate mothers and we walk in the light of God's word. Today is the nationally recognized day that we honor mothers. If your mother is still alive, today is another opportunity to tell her that you love her and that you appreciate her. If your mother has passed away, this is a day to remember her contribution to your life and to cherish the memories you have of her time with you. There are some of us who will spend time with our mothers today and there are others who will just give them a call. But if you're sitting next to your mother right now, why don't you just turn to her and say, I love you mom. Come on, just turn to her. I love you mom. It a good time to do that. There's a passage of scripture that caught my attention as I thought about what I want to share with you today. It's about a mother's influence on her child. A mother is the most influential person in the life of a child. It is said, the hand that rocks the cradle rule the world. What that means is that a mother has an opportunity to impact To influence, to instruct, to inspire, and to set a direction and a tone in the life of a child. A mother can and often does, whether positively or negatively, by her lack of doing those things. Now, father has influence as well, but not like the mother. The mother is connected and nurturing and is there and spend more time with that child than the father. I want to look at this passage of scripture where there is a mother who is nameless but had a major influence on her son and this is in the book of Exodus beginning in chapter 1 verse 22 It says this, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Every boy who's born, you want to throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Uh, If I was speaking on Father's Day, I could use just that verse. Every boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile. That's what we're seeing today in our culture. The men are being thrown into the Nile. In chapter 2 verse 1 it says this. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrews' babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. I've, I've read this story many times. I've heard the story as a child and perhaps you have as well. But the thing that struck my attention here as I read it again was the actions that the mother took To save the child. I want you to look at that again. Although Moses had a father, the only thing we're told is that he was a Levite. It is the mother who hid him. It is the mother who prepared a basket for him. He said the mother hid him for three months. I'm thinking, why didn't the father hide it? She prepared a basket for him and she placed him in the basket and she put him in the papyrus reeds on the bank of the Nile. She was doing that we would think the man would say, okay, this is a strategic plan. This is what we have to do to save this son. But she's doing that. The woman is doing that. After the baby was discovered, she nursed him and she takes care of him in his early childhood. It was Moses' mother that taught him the ways of God. All that he knew about the Hebrews, he learned from his mother. All the practices that they had were taught to him by his mother. And Moses went on to become one of the most influential people, not just of that time, but of all time. We're still living by the commandments that Moses was given by God. In the mountains, our our system of law and jurisprudence is based on those commandments as well. We're still talking about him and we're still thinking about him. So mothers, I don't want you to underestimate your influence and what you teach your children. In fact, I want to share with you this morning some lessons I learned from my mother. I thought about that and I want you to think about it too, whether you're a man or a woman. Whether your mother is still with you or has passed on. I want you to think with me as I go through these some lessons you have learned from your mother as well. If you had to think through that and I thought through that for some time and I want to want to share with you these things as I go through them. Number 1, as I go back to my earliest memories, These are some things I learned, not in any particular priority order, but some are just in the order as I remember them from my earliest childhood. The first thing I learned is that Jesus loves me, this I know. From my earliest memory, I was taught about Jesus Christ. I don't ever have a memory of not going to church. I grew up literally. In the church. I can remember being carried. You know how when you carry your kids out to the car when they are sleep. I still remember being carried out of the church house to the car. It was Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak. But he is strong. Yes Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. I still remember the song. That means I sang it more than once. She taught me that Jesus loves me. She taught me how to speak publicly. Along with my brothers, there were eight of us total. I was the fifth child. But along with my brothers, I was given a speech and a Bible verse to recite in front of the church. Very, very early, we had to get up and participate and recite. My first speech was this. I am small, but I can say Christ was born on Christmas Day. (laughs) And we couldn't just get up and say it. She taught us how to speak. Stand up straight. Hold back your shoulders, fix your mouth, (laughs) put your hands together, and say that speech with authority. When I got much, much older, I was the secretary of the Sunday school. I was about 10, (laughs) and I had to read the minutes every Sunday from the Sunday school lessons. Get up in front of people and talk. Not just me, all of us, but those are things that I learned from my mother. Thirdly, that education is important. We were encouraged to do well in school. She was involved in the education. She would come to the schoolhouse. That's when you didn't want your mother to come to the school. (laughs) That's when mothers would say, don't have me to come down there. And she would say, if I come down there, it's going to be you and me and mostly me. She stressed a college education. I was expected to go to college. I still remember her saying, books and girls don't mix. To my sister, books and boys don't mix. Do first things first. Get your education. Get your education. Get your education. Get some sense in your head. Learn something. Don't stop where I stopped. Go further than I went. We were encouraged to learn music. We took music whether we wanted to or not, and the music teacher was mean. (laughs) She was mean. She'd hit us on the hands if we didn't play right with a coat hanger. (laughs) And then we had to come and we played the piano in church. We had to learn how to read music. So we didn't have a choice on whether we wanted to participate or not. Mothers, when you leave choice to your children, we're not going to do anything. The Bible says train them up in the way that they should go. That means tell them they're going to do it or else. They told us or else when we were really, really small. When we didn't know that they couldn't kill us. But that was back in the days before CPS. (laughs) Fourthly, she taught us that God is real and that God answers prayer. God is real. Now, you can talk about God all you want to. You can come to church, you can hear about God, you can praise God, you can read the Bible. But where you learn where God is real is in the home. That's what a child is going to learn where God is real. Now, if he see you coming to church and talking about God, but coming home and acting like the devil, <laughs> that child is going to put two and two together and going to figure out that maybe God's not real. Maybe you're just perpetrating. If you want to find out whether the parents are saved, ask the children. They will tell you, your parents pray, pray. (laughs) Mother did more than just talk about God, she lived for God. We saw the miracles and the manifested power of God in our house. We saw that and that was meaningful to me especially when I went to the university and the university professors who are smarter than anybody and that you are putting on a pedestal start telling you that God doesn't exist. I said no, 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 no. It's too late. I've already seen the miracles of God in our home. And I can tell you about one answered prayer after another answered prayer for the impossible that happens in our home. We saw God move. We saw his divine protection. He was demonstrated. In our home. I saw. I, I was there. When my mother would say to all of us. She said all of you. Y'all line up. You all have been selected. For the army of God. You have been called. I have appointed you, and have offered you to God for his service. And that was during the Vietnam War. And she says, you are in God's army, not Uncle Sam's army. She wasn't unpatriotic. She just said, I didn't raise you to go up there and get shot up and come back crazy. Five boys who were eligible for the Vietnam War in the time when our neighbors were getting killed, none of us served in the army. That doesn't mean that none of us got drafted. But when my brother got drafted, my mother said, oh no. I didn't raise him up for Uncle Sam's army. They had a lottery. Some of y'all remember, they started a lottery where they would pull your birthday and assign you a number. On the very first lottery, my brother was the very first pick. And they called him. And he had to report to camp. And even when it looked like it wasn't going to happen in terms of uh, avoiding the service. My mother said, and I went to God. and said, that's my boy. I didn't raise him for Uncle Sam's army. I raised him for God's army. He's gone. He sold his car. He packed up his stuff and went to camp. God, I know he's going to camp, but he's not for Uncle Sam's army. I'm coming to you. You know I have dedicated those boys for you. He's gone. A few days later we're sitting in the den and he comes walking down the driveway. She said, where you going? They told me to come on home. Why? They they said I got a bad knee so I started walking like (laughs) it. That's what they said. They said I had a bad knee. She had to do that for more than one. She said, Jerry, I remember when they called you and said you had to start reporting. She said, I held that letter up to God like Hezekiah held this letter up to God. She said, God, here's another one. We never served any time. We were in college and had a deferment. We weren't trying to avoid, but there was a lot of guys that went to college and still had to go to the army. That's just one thing that we saw, how God would move when you trust God. She said, yes, that was a song we used to sing. Yes, God is real. He's real in my soul. Yes, God is real. For he has washed and made me whole. She used to sing that all the time around the house. Yes, God is real. We learned that from my mother. Fifthly, we learned to be industrious. To work. To clean. To cook. She would say, my friends and family members would say, You got six boys. That was before my sister was born. You got six boys. You mean to tell me you got them cleaning the house and washing dishes and cooking? And I'm telling you, we were teenagers and preteens when we were cooking. We said, yeah, they're cooking dinner. They got to cut up that chicken. They got to cook that cornbread from scratch. They're cooking peas and greens. And we were cooking like old folks. (laughs) So everybody got a job. Everybody has a job. If you're going to be around here, you work. My mother was complaining here a few weeks ago to one of my brothers who was just going on the go all the time. And she said, you need to slow down. She said, Mama, you made us work when we were so small. Now you're trying to stop us. <laughs> but we worked. Everybody had a job. My earliest experience, we worked at the house so much. And we had a job all day long There was cooking, that was cleaning, that was cutting the grass, that was doing all kinds of things. And we didn't like it. But it made us industrious. Our wives never have to worry about us working. My mother said, y'all didn't like it, but I tell you what, when y'all left home, ain't nobody come back for no help. <laughs> we didn't have to get nobody, no help. We didn't have to send nobody no money because you couldn't make it. You weren't no sorry man that needed to be thrown into the Nile. Right. <laughs> Everybody's industrious. You can make it on your own. Don't you know, we started taking off from that house when we turned 18. I turned 18 on July the 20th. Two weeks later, I had left home for good. You know, when you work them like a slave, you ain't got to worry about them leaving. (laughs) And hanging around the house, no, they they are looking for the day. We had an emancipation proclamation. (laughs) I'm out. They taught us how to work. They taught us how to, to be diligent. I worked on a job three years when I was in high school, the same job, working at a grocery store. Before then, I was shining shoes and cutting yards and selling peanuts. And we found a way to, to get into leather craft and we made wallets and keychains. These are young boys who were 11, 12, 13 years old. They didn't give us anything because we asked for it. You're going to have to go earn you some money if you want that. I'm talking about small kids. I ain't talking about, we want that. want what? By the time you got through listening to a lecture from my dad, you couldn't have earned the money. (laughs) How many of you used to pick up soda water bottles and go sell them for the deposit? Since y'all young folks don't remember that, but they were two cents a piece. The soda was only five cents. You can get two cents for the bottle. So we had a hustle going picking up soda bottles. But that was a hustle. That was a work. That was a work ethic. And that has been lost in our generation. we become entitled. Somebody's supposed to do something for me. you laying around waiting on somebody else to do it for you. But we were taught that you have to produce for yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you and even in the summertime when we were out of school and we were young they would send us all up to the country we thought we were going to play (laughs) but that was another time where our grandparents used all these kids in the fields and we picked peas and corn and potatoes and tomatoes and they worked us like slaves (laughs) we learned how to be industrious Next, she told me, I learned from her that I have a special ability. In other words, she spoke into my life particularly. Each one of your children are different. It is the parent's job to have a good understanding and appreciation of who you have. And when others may be telling you that you are not too bright, it is the parent who needs to tell you that you're smart. When others may tell you you can't succeed, it is the parent who needs to tell you that you can. My mother used to tell me, she said, you have a lot of wisdom. You have a lot of understanding. I was small. She would say, you're going to be my counselor. I'm going to come to you and ask your opinion. You are my counselor. You have wisdom. You have understanding. That stuck with me. You are my counselor. Even today, I'm the one she turns to and to ask about what she should do in certain matters. This is Jerry G. Martin, and I am so thankful that God has allowed my mother to be here with me as we celebrate this Mother's Day. Perhaps your mother is no longer with you. God is still with you, and we pray that as you remember her. Some of you may still be grieving and you miss your mother so dearly. I ask God's blessings and grace and favor over you during this season. There are others of you whose mothers are still with you. This is a great opportunity to give her a call or to visit her and let her know how much you love her and how much you appreciate her. If you would like to hear today's message again or in its entirety, you can hear it on our podcast, The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can subscribe to the podcast where you'll get a note every time a new one is posted, and you can also share that with family and friends. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. I invite you to come and join us In our services at The Light of the World, Pastor Jackie is ministering and preaching a dynamic series. We're at 16161 Old Humble Road. Again, that's 16161 Old Humble Road. Join us online at lowcf.org. Our Sunday morning services are at 10. If you're searching for God or searching for a place to believe and belong, call us at our prayer line number, 281-964-1393. 281-964-1393. For the Light of the World, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.